Warning. The following contains massive spoilers for the designated series. Listener discretion is advised. You're listening to The Television Archive, a show where we, the television-loving hordes of the internet, take a deep dive into what used to be in our beloved media. My name is Thomas Michael Clark, and this is The Blue Planet and Blue Planet 2. Today, we will be discussing The Blue Planet Episode 1, titled Ocean World. God, that sounds like that sounds like a shitty theme park. Hello, kids! Welcome to Ocean World! Yay! Come on this ride with me, kids! It failed multiple safety inspections, and yet we're somehow still allowed to stay in business! Yay! God, is that really how I'm gonna start this discussion? Is that really how I'm gonna start? My deep dive into a freaking 15 episode nature doc. <laughs> Is that really how we're doing this? Okay, fine. Whatever. In all seriousness, uh, this is an amazing first episode uh, of The Blue Planet. It is really, really good. Uh, and before we get into the episode itself, I want to very quickly get out some uh, more overarching praises of the show in general. Uh, first off, you're going to hear me go back to this a lot, but the visuals in this show, as well as Blue Planet 2, uh, holy crap. This show is freaking gorgeous. It is so beautifully shot. So brilliantly edited, uh, and the technology they use uh, to capture the oceans, capture these wildlife processes, it's so innovative and amazing. Like, uh, it's stuff I've always respected about BBC Earth, that they've been able to be at the forefront, be at the cutting edge of this technology of these documentary filmmaking techniques and just capture every second of nature, capture every second of wildlife uh, with such remarkable precision, such remarkable detail. Like, I'm amazed they got even half the shots they were able to for this show. And occasionally you will hear me exclaim, how the hell did they shoot that? Because a lot of the time, I honestly don't know. A lot of the time, I honestly have no idea how they were able to shoot certain things while not in any way disturbing uh, the natural wildlife, the natural day-to-day of these animals. Like, it's really insane and brilliant, and I love everything about it. The fact that that they were even able to capture anything, let alone... Uh, condense it all and edit it all into, like, coherent narratives. Like, it's it's insane to me. And, and with every BBC Earth nature doc that comes out uh, that David Attenborough narrates, it's just like, my God, this is insane. My God, this is, like, the greatest filmmaking on display in any medium right now. It, it's ridiculous how good it is. And... 
I mean, yeah, some of the shots look dated. Like, you can definitely tell every once in a while with the original Blue Planet. Like, man, that looks amazing for the time, but it would have looked a lot better about 15 years later. Like, that definitely comes up every once in a while since this did come out in, like, 2001. But the vast majority of it holds up beautifully. And those, like... Those other elements of, like, just, eh, that would have been better 15 years later are very few and very far between. And David Attenborough's narration, beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. David Attenborough is, quite honestly, uh, maybe the best narrator of all time. He does an incredible job here, as he does with all of his nature docs, and uh, I love hearing his sweet, sweet voice come up. Uh, but anyway, into this episode in particular. They do a very good job. Very early on. <clears throat> why, am I, why is my voice just, like, suddenly just going down to inaudible? Like, I, I just suddenly, like, my throat just became incapable of doing full words for a second. Anyway... They do an amazing job, very early on, of establishing, hey, the ocean's incredible. The ocean's kind of amazing. And you should probably be paying more attention to it. And they make a great case. Like, early on, they're like, uh, yeah, so, like, over 70% of the Earth is covered in water. Volume-wise, uh, the ocean contains the most inhabitable space on the planet. And, like, they do a great job of capturing the vastness of the oceans. Uh, and also how much of a well-oiled machine it is. Uh, they particularly go into currents and... Uh, the cycles of life in the ocean, uh, how different species sort of rely on, like, the annual cycle of the sun, in some cases, the monthly cycle of the moon, uh, they go through waves and tides and all that, and how the hell that is a thing, and I love how they explain waves as, like, these swells in the ocean that just keep going and going and going and going and going until they hit shallow water, and then, like, it's just... Wouldn't be a television archive without technical difficulties. I'm back. My mic went nuts. Uh, but everything's... Everything is good now. I'm back. It's all good. Uh, but, but anyway... I love how they portray waves. It's just, like swells in the ocean that keep going and going and going until they hit shallow water. And then, like, the stuff at the bottom sort of slows. And then the top of those swells sort of, like, roll over. And that's how waves happen. Uh, like, it's a very digestible, really well-communicated definition of waves. Uh, and there's plenty of moments like that where it's just like, holy crap, the ocean is awesome. Holy crap, the ocean is really cool. Uh, and I kind of, like, just 
breezed over currents just now. I really should pay attention to that. Because it's really cool how, like, a lot of the ocean is just nothing. A lot of the ocean is just like, eh, no one's really there. No one really gives a shit. But then you get these currents, and it's just like, the currents are where life sort of blossoms. Because it, like, just creates this perfect storm of nutrients coming to the surface. And it sort of, like, goes up and up and up the food chain. And now, like, the currents are, like, bustling with life. Uh, There's one particular juncture that they talk about. And I did have that in my notes later on, but I'm going to talk about it now. Uh, There's one particular juncture where everything is just perfect. Like, currents, uh, climate, and all that is just perfect. To create this area where the albatross are like just feeding on feeding on the inhabitants of the surface of the water. And it's like right next to the largest albatross mating colony ever. With like half a million albatross. And you look at this vast expanse of albatross just there it's insane how far reaching this like cloud of albatross is like it's just phenomenal like this is a really really cool little moment of oh that's a thing uh, so to get into more specific segments, uh, there's just one segment early on with, like, this school of tuna. This vast school of tuna. Just sort of... Just sort of moving along. And basically what they show off is pretty much everyone and their mother chasing after this school of tuna. And, like, just feeding on all of them. Like, there's a bunch of birds, there's, like, some sharks there, dolphins show up at one point, a freaking whale, like, a gigantic whale just swoops in at the last moment (laughs) and just gobbles up what's left. And it's just this great moment of, like, these tuna, like, they're just minding their own business, trying to get, like, down this current. And then these birds, and these sharks, and these dolphins, and this giant whale. Like, they just swoop in. And, like, at a certain point, they just start, like, without really communicating, just start working together to, like, just box in these tuna and just gobble them all up. And then there's just just a few survivors that just straggle along and they just keep going. (laughs) It's like, it is insane. Like, there are so many shots where it's just like, everything is eating this <laughs> this poor school of tuna. And it's just madness. It is such madness. And it's so delightful to see. Like, it's just absolutely insane. Uh, there's another segment in here that I absolutely adore. 
Uh, it's not nearly as flashy as everyone and their mother eating this school of tuna. <laughs> but uh, it's really, really fascinating. So they tackle this ritual of a whole crap ton of turtles. Like thousands of turtles coming on land to lay and bury their eggs in the sand. It's like thousands of turtles coming in in the night, uh, coming up onto the beach and laying an insane number of eggs. I think the number was in the millions. I could be wrong about that. Maybe I'm thinking of something else, but I'm pretty sure the number was in the millions. And they're just laying these eggs, and they're laying them in such massive quantities because uh, the idea is that when the eggs eventually hatch uh, and the baby turtles sort of go off the sea, uh, the predators that will inevitably swoop down will be overwhelmed by the sheer quantity of prey. And so, yeah, some of them are going to get eaten immediately, but most of them are going to get into the ocean simply because there's just so many. And the predators are so overwhelmed. Also, uh, I love this one little bit. Like, apparently there's so many turtles coming up onto this specific beach. That, like, they end up having to crawl over each other <laughs> to find a patch of undisturbed sta- undisturbed sand. And, like, there's just literally a shot of a turtle just crawling over another turtle. Like, just, yep, I don't give a shit about your personal space. I need to lay my eggs. <laughs> like, it's really, really insane how many turtles swarm on this one beach. And the most fascinating thing about it is, like, these turtles... They do this little ritual every, like, eh, about three times a year. And no one knows exactly why. Like, it's so many turtles at this specific place, at these specific times. However, every single time it happens, there's a half moon. Uh, The moon cycle is either in its first quarter or its third quarter. Halfway between full and new. So every time it's a half moon, when the tides are at their weakest. Now this accomplishes two things. One, it's easier to get up on land. But two, and more importantly, because the tides are at their lowest, since it's a half moon... There's a gr- there there's much less of a chance that the tides will wash away the sand covering the turtles' eggs, and less eggs will be unburied and will eventually be eaten by vultures and other predators. Holy crap! That is absolutely insane to think about. That apparently, like turtles' time. Their their laying of their eggs somehow to, like, moon cycles. To, like, a monthly moon cycle. Like, it's 
absolutely insane to think about, and it's absolutely incredible. And I love literally everything about this. It is so freaking cool. Uh, there's also this segment on herring. Herring that are going to lay their eggs. Uh, which is also really, really cool. Which is also really, really amazing to witness. Uh, so there's like this giant, and there's like like giant black spots on the ocean. Giant black patches on the surface of the ocean. Uh, that initially looks kind of like oil. But it's not. It is indeed the this giant school of herring. These giant schools of herring going to lay their eggs. And it is... Or actually, was the black patches the tuna? It might have been the tuna. I don't know. Point is, there was a black patch at one point, And it was really, really cool to look at. But anyway, herring are just sort of minding their own business. They're going to their mating grounds... Uh, where they're going to lay their eggs. And... <laughs> There's, like, one way too nonchalant moment. Where... David Attenborough just casually reveals... Oh, also, while they're going to lay their eggs... Uh, a bunch of herring get eaten by gulls. They just get picked off. One by one. As they're <laughs> going to lay their eggs. And it's just like... Wait, what? <laughs> That's a bigger deal than you think it is, David Attenborough. <laughs> like, that's kind of a bigger deal than you think. <laughs> like, it's just, they bring that up in way too nonchalant of a fashion. It's insane. But, eventually they get to their little uh, patch of vegetation, and the females lay... A ridiculous number of eggs. And then the males basically just go over all the eggs and cover them in this, like, milky cloud of sperm. And what's really cool about it... First off, I do like that this is literally just... And there's a lot of this in ocean life. But they literally got the basic biological process of mating without the sex. Like, it's really fascinating. Uh, but what's also really cool is that eventually, like, after this mist of sperm covers the eggs, uh, there's a bunch left over, and it results in, like, this milky cloud. This, like, scum. Covering the surface of the ocean for a pretty wide area. Like a lot of like just sperm scum. A lot of leftover herring skirm. Herring skirm? Herring sperm. <laughs> and it's it's really, really cool. It's really, really fascinating. And kind of, in some perverse way, beautiful to look at. Like I'm saying this about fish sperm. But, like, it really is kind of fascinating. And then there's also... Oh, wait. You know what? I'm just going to mention this right now. Uh, there's a similar segment involving squid. And they do something... Not the same. But... Very... Closely related. 
where they just come up from the depths of the surface, uh, lay massive clusters of eggs, massive capsules of eggs, uh, and do a similar thing where they just drenched in sperm. And, like, it, it's a very similar sequence. Not exactly the same. Uh, but it's really cool. Like, under cover of darkness, they just sort of come up, they do their thing, and then they go back down. So that was cool. Uh, but let's end this with by far the most heartbreaking element of this first episode. So... There's some whales. Some cute whales. Uh, gray whales. Is a particular species. And they're just sort of walking along. A mother and her calf. And like, it's really sweet because like, most of the gray whales at this point are going off to feed on krill. And the mother's just staying behind with her calf, like just going on a sluggish pace, uh, because the calf doesn't have enough doesn't have enough strength to keep up with the rest of the whales. So they just sort of like they're just mother and son chugging along together. Then some killer whales show up and f them up, and it's this really visceral, very intense sequence where it's just like for three hours. Uh, the, the whales, the gray whales, the mother's just, like, pushing the sun along, like, hey, uh, we gotta move faster, man, like, there's some killer whales that are about to eat you. We need to not have that happen. And she's just sort of pushing them along, and then the killer whales are like, hey, hey, we don't have to gain on them, we just have to keep pace, because eventually the calf will get tired and not be able to move at all. And that eventually happens after a few hours. And then, oh my god. Words cannot describe how heartbreaking this is. Like, they just push their way in between the mother and the calf. Get the calf on its own. And then start drowning it. Just start pushing it underwater. Very viciously. And, like, the mother's desperately trying to get back in to save the calf. Uh, she pushes it up to the surface at one point, and then, like, these killer whales just start swarming. Uh, one of them takes a bite, and just... blood starts coming onto the water, like, the water turns red, and then eventually the killer whales just... just overpower the calf and kill it and eat it. And the mother's just like, well... That happened! And just goes off to continue her little uh, migration krill feeding. But it's like this really sad moment where it's just like this mother was like trying desperately to save her calf and it's just. It died in like an incredibly vicious, very brutal way after she was like so devoted to it. And then she was just like, yeah, there's nothing I can do. I'm gonna go eat some krill. And the worst part is, like, they only eat, the killer whales only eat uh, the lower jaw and the tongue. That's it. That's all they eat. And then they just, like, sort of let the carcass sink to the bottom of the ocean uh, where some scavengers eat it, uh, like hagfish and uh, 
a sleeper shark is the name of it. And some other stuff like that. And it's just going to get eaten for, like, ever. Until there's just a skeleton remaining. Like, oh, oh, I cannot picture anything more heartbreaking to start this show off. Damn you, Blue Planet. Damn you. Why do you have to make me cry in the first episode? Why do you have to make me hate everything in the first episode? God damn it. Well, uh, we got seven more of this. And then seven more of a sequel series. So, buckle up, because this was just a sampling of what we're going to get over the next few weeks. Uh, if you like this... Favorite the podcast, anchor.fm slash TV archives, so that you can be here every single Monday through Friday as I go through every single episode of this and other shows. And you can find it on pretty much whatever podcatcher app you prefer. Feel free to call in as well. It's as simple as just a push of a button on the Anchor app. I'll play those on the show from time to time if you feel so inclined to send those in. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram, TomTom4468, and support the show. Patreon.com slash Thomas Clark. Pledge just a dollar a month. I appreciate everything I get through there. Or, if that doesn't work for you, you can also support this show directly via Anchor. I appreciate that as well. Uh, tomorrow, we will be discussing the Blue Planet Episode 2. Talk to you then.